pray friends. I want to go to the Lord one more time. Thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Lord, we came this evening. We came here because we came to hear from you. We came because we need you to speak, my God. And Lord, if you don't speak, how will we hear, my God? My God, my God, my God. So Lord, I pray today you increase, but I decrease, my God. Father, as your servant just prayed and said, Lord, you are just when you judge us. You are just, absolutely just. You are a just God. But if you had judged us according to our sin, neither one of us would have been here today, Father. If not for your grace, if not for your mercy, if not for your son, Jesus, who died, who took our sin, who took our iniquity, who took our transgression, we wouldn't be here today, Father. Lord, I pray today, as I speak, Father, you speak through me. Every frailty, every insecurity, let it let your power overshadow it, my God, today. Jesus. Jesus. Who are we, Lord, that you are mindful of us? That you love us when we call? Who are we? Who are we, my God? Who are we? Who are we, my God? That you saw fit to wake us up this morning with a sound mind, body and soul? Who are we? That every single cell in our body functions today. Pray today, Father, that you speak to us, first to me, because I know the title itself convicted me, my God, because we know the world in us is so strong, the flesh is so strong, my God. Spirit is willing, but flesh is weak. We're weak, weak vessels, my God, weak, weak, absolutely weak vessels. Today I pray, Lord, touch us, speak to us. Hear our cry today. I pray, Lord, that every sister, every brother, including our assistant pastor Vijay here, my God, every one of us, my God, I pray today, Father, that we will judge our hearts. I pray today, Father, that there will be no pretense, my God, today. That there will be no hypocrisy in us, my God, today. That we will judge, we will judge our, heart, our hearts today. <clears throat> we will test our minds today. We will even judge our hands for 28 days of this month that have gone by. Where did our hands go? Where did our feet go? Where did our tongue, what did it speak? Where, what did our eyes look at? What did our ears hear? Even if our mind were playing tricks on us today, Father, for 28 days of this month, pray today, Father, help us, Lord, to want change. Help us to want change. Help us to want change from within, my God. Help us, help us to want it. Help us to hunger and thirst for you, my God. Help us this year. Help us. 
Oh, Jesus, Jesus, let this be the year of change in every one of us, my God. Let it be a year of change, Father. Let us change from within. We sang, change our hearts, oh God, make it ever true. Help us, help us, speak to us. Speak to me, Father. So I can speak to your children, my God. Thank you. What a privilege, what an honor to be called the children of God. What a privilege. Thank you, Lord. We love you and praise you, my God. Jesus, name we pray. Amen. Amen. Today, actually, uh, I love Charles Stanley. I read his handbook. Some of you have read it in my home. And stand through it or whatever. And I was... Two things I was pondering on. A hardened heart and worldliness. When I told Pastor I'm going to speak on worldliness, he says, yes, the world in you is strong. Speak. <laughs> so, you see, I get tributes. I told you guys, I'm married to Elijah. It's not. I told you that. You know, when he talks, fire falls. Like, you know, literally. You know, I mean, you all think that when you see Pastor, like, you know, he's a nice guy. Some of you know. He's a lovely guy. He's a wonderful person. He's a shepherd. But I'm talking about, you know, I live with one every day. So, <laughs> so I got to like, I, you know, I can't. Like, today, so when I said to myself, he's, he never asks me normally, like, what you, you know. He said, just go, God will, God will use you, God will use you. And I said, so I said to him, I said, um, it was a hardened heart. He said, your heart's not hardened, I don't think so. I said, oh, okay. So I'm like, okay, what, what, what are you telling about me? So he said, I said, worldliness, oh yeah. Oh yeah. I agree. Worldliness, worldliness. I said, okay, okay. So, yes, it is the world that I struggle with. And I don't know if you've been with me. Can you just pass this one? It's from Charles Stanley again. It's his handbook. There was one on compromise, and I... Like, it was hard and hard. I was like, okay, next time I'll do that one. How many of you will agree with me that we struggle with the world? Okay. Having the same purpose, right, we're starting from the top, okay? Having the same purpose, perspective, and priority as those who live in this world, but who do, who not, who do not know God being of the world. Scripture, John 17, 14 to 18. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. Then he has a commentary. It is a marvelous thing that our intercessor prays for us. This particular prayer was in light of the following chapters that would record his trial, his death, his resurrection, and his ascension. The Lord Jesus, knowing that he would be leaving soon, prayed for those of us who would be staying. Why would he pray that? He knew that the Holy Spirit would come to equip those he left behind. So why would he be so focused on praying for those left in the world? He had spent three years primarily with 12 men. As God, he knew all about them. As man, he had walked and talked with them. He knew how easily they would fall prey to the world's charm. We need to take a closer look at what, how vulnerable we are 
and at the one who left us here in the world, but continues to intercede for us that we may not be of the world. Hallelujah. You know, some of you, of course, most of you in college and in school and in workplaces, I hear that all the time from you all. Auntie, it's not easy. Peer pressure. Auntie, it's not easy. It's peer pressure. But you know what? Even I'm not in college, even though I'm not in college and I'm in ministry, it's not easy. It's pressure of the world and I love the world. But when I say I love the world, there are a lot of things I don't struggle with, but there are a lot of things I do struggle with. So I want to make that clear. If you take me to a mall and you leave me there, I'm like a little kid in a toy shop. Okay? I would go insane. And I used to be one of those that were terrible shopaholics. Terrible, terrible. I was OCD. Terrible. Overly compulsive disorder. It was bad. It was bad. But then when you, when you, when you ask God to help you, to take you out, and to help you to change, he put you to, you'll say, you know, you tell the Lord, put me to the test, right? So you go to the test. So you go to a mall, and I hate window shopping. Don't ask me to go window shopping. I can't just look and just smile and walk away. I can't. So I don't go. So I just don't go. So I don't get tempted. So I did this when I first got saved. I did this for a couple of years. You know, it's a long story. I clipped my credit cards and everything. So I, you know, I did it. I was very good. So on point. I was very happy with myself. But remember, I got saved in America. And no fault of America, okay? I don't want to blame anybody. Blame Elsa. I accept responsibility for my actions. But I was totally, totally lost with, I thought this God was a God of prosperity that I served. So, so I thought this God, when you say ask and you will receive, okay, I asked for this Lexus, I got it. I asked for overtime, I got it. I asked to go to Disney, I got it. So I, I got, this God gave me all these things that I wanted, so I got it. So, like I said, I read the word, I was hungry, I didn't know the word, but I read it, I used to be, I used to read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, a new scripture, I would be, you know, you know, by-hearted and everything, and I would apply it. And it took coming 2007, by the way, this year makes 10 years I'm in India, 10 years. So my husband tells me, your judgment on you is over. Your breakthrough is here. I was like, oh my God. Okay, that was tough. So then today before I came here, he's, he's, we're talking about our lives, right? And I'm telling you this, this is because it's an open book in that area. Certain things I can share with you openly. And we're talking and he's telling me, he says, you know why your 10 years of judgment are up? And I said, yeah, I know. So he said, why? So I said, because I disobeyed my mother. And I married the wrong person. And he said, yes. So you sowed corruption. You reaped corruption. And you got your 10 years of judgment. He sent you here. And he sent you to me. So I said, I know. So the thing is that the world in us is so strong that if you actually don't examine your heart every day, I'm talking to my children too at Grace Home. If you don't examine your heart every day, I keep getting frustrated when I... But then the Lord tells me, don't get frustrated. You know, because you struggle too in certain areas of your life. But it took a long time to get where you're at. And I'm still not, God is not done with me. But 
There are certain things if you don't want it and you know it's wrong, why would you do it? Now you would say the enemy tempts me, devil tempts me. It's so difficult. It's true. You know, okay. I don't believe the devil tempts you all the time. I don't believe that. Am I right, Pastor? He doesn't tempt you. He doesn't tempt you all the time, right? Sometimes we are our own enemies. Am I right? So, you know what I'm saying? So it's not that. We use that excuse, you know. Or we'll use the excuse, why do you take me there when you know I'm going to spend money? I say that all the time. I tell my husband all the time. Like he'd go for a pair of pants and I say, you're taking me to the mall, right? You're taking me to the mall. Remember, you're taking me to the mall. He says, I'm taking you to the mall and I'm carrying no money. <laughs> so I said, okay. So he says, I'm carrying enough to buy what I need and we're walking out, but you're coming with me. So after that, I said, I'm not going. So I don't go because I know when we go in with him, it's a one thing. And if I say I like it, or if I say I want it, and he say you don't need it, so we walk out. You get it? So the thing is that the reason I'm saying all this to you is because I know every one of you are struggling with the world today. And so am I. So let's look at this closer look. I believe we would agree that as those who belong to Jesus Christ, we are called to be in the world, but not of it. But on a practical level, what does that mean? We use the freeway system of this world. We shop at the world's grocery stores. We use the world's school systems. We buy at the world's malls. We go to the hospitals of this world. So what are we to do? But there is one more to, to it than that. Sorry, but there is more to it than that. When Jesus was praying in John 17, his first, his very first prayer request was, Holy Father, keep them through your name, that they may be at one as we are. He was not talking about about essence. He was talking about function. Jesus' number one prayer request was extremely practical. He knew that he faced the cross. He knew that the disciples would be without him. He knew that they needed to function as he and the Father had functioned. He knew the potential to defeat lay in all the disciples. To de- to, sorry, to defect lay in all the disciples and in us. Thus, he prayed, "I do not pray that you should take them out of the world." but that you should keep them from the evil one. In other words, he didn't want them to go on any tangents or to get sidetracked. He wanted them to be stable, dependable. The enemy wanted them unstable, easily distracted. The same battle is raging. I feel it just as you do. After Jesus prayed for them to be one, to function as in one, his new system of life, he prayed for them to be sanctified. He said, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. John 17, 17. Jesus was not talking about a second work of grace. The word sanctify means to set apart for a special purpose. Those called out ones had a special purpose. They were set apart, not set aside. Set apart, different, upstream kind of kids, the kind of guys. Not only were they otherworldly, in a proper sense, they were also other purpose from the, those around them. They probably were not the most popular people around. Upstream people aren't. How would you explain upstream, Pastor Vijay? I mean, yeah, against the flow. People going upstream guys, we call them upstream guys. You're going against the flow. Right? Yeah, they're not basically. Get it? You'll get it? They're, upstream, they're called upstream guys. Okay? So, they had known since he had called them that he had a special purpose. Did I read that? Yeah, they had known since he had called them that he had a special purpose. But now he was talking to the Father about their special purpose. Jesus prayed 
And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified by the truth. It's like a steady stream from the Father to the Son to the disciples to the world with glory back to the Father. Jesus was setting himself apart all the way to the cross. The disciples needed to set themselves apart to proclaim what he did. The stream dare not be clogged by a filthy world system or disciples who wanted to be their own man. So I say this to say that we are set apart, right? We we know this. And it's a daily walk. It's one day at a time. Like, for instance, you know, say for instance, the girls struggle with clothing. The boys struggle with movies. Say that. Let's, let's give it an example. No? And, yeah, now the girls also struggle with movies. So <laughs> so say that you struggle with, with movies. And, and okay, say all of us struggle with movies and, and, <laughs> and clothes. And you know you're struggling. And I give you, I'm going to sit down. I give you a thousand rupees each. I'm, ho- I'm sure you're hoping I give it too. So <laughs> I give you a thousand rupees each and I say, go, go to the mall and let me see how good you are. Don't spend it. Come back and save it and put it in the bank. How many of you are going to be happy campers when I say that? How many of you? I'm sorry. You, I know. How many of you are going to be happy campers when I say that? You're going to say, why give it to me, right? Why give it to me? And why tempt me? Just don't give it to me. Put it in the bank. Don't give it to me. Don't send me to the mall. Don't send me to the movies, right? Am I right? Am I right? I mean, you're going to say, auntie, what's the point? Like, wh- why are you giving it to me? But that's what you call testing. That's what you call, I'm giving a simple test. It's like, it's testing. Testing your, your, your ability, your, your self-control, you know? Papa was talking about the nut, nut in the bolt. What does it start off with, Pastor Vijay? Love. And then you, and you tighten it. With self-control. So the thing is that you say you say things like you know like my my oldest son, be thirty in March. He says, "Ma, God didn't do nothing for me," and I bind it in the name of Jesus. I feel so. This was years ago. Okay, not anymore. He doesn't say it anymore. But years ago, Ma, God did nothing for me. I did it all my way. Like yeah, I'm a self-made man. Now of course they don't sell it. They don't try to say that to me anymore, but I'm just saying, you know, how many of us actually think that God doesn't help us when we ask? I, I know I'm going to put you on the spot today, but I know like somebody like Mahendra would say, Auntie, I pray, I pray, I pray, he doesn't hear me. He doesn't hear me. He doesn't hear any of my prayers. John will tell me, I'm, I'm frustrated, there's so much to do, there's so much on my plate. I mean, I'm telling just basic things, I'm not telling out secrets, but I'm just saying the things that we struggle with. Jyoti will say, I'm so lonely, I'm, I feel terrible. Hepsi will say, Auntie, I'm very angry. Okay, whatever, however, you know, okay, these are all normal, normal things, right? Am I right? Yeah, these are normal things that are lonely. I want a boyfriend. I want a girlfriend. And, and I want, I want, I want to, I want to have somebody I can talk on the phone. So all of a sudden I have Facebook, then I have emails, then I have whatever, whatever, however, whatever, just Twitter and whatever, whatever, I don't know. Something else called instant somebody, I don't know. (laughs) Something, so whatever. (laughs) So all this stuff you'll have. And then you're like chasing somebody. And I hear somebody, he's chasing me. I'm like, chasing you? Like, you know, or I'm following him. Or he's my follower or whatever. I mean, all this stuff. All this, all this junk. And then you think, when Jesus says, pick up your cross and follow me, it's, a, it's an issue. My God, it's too hard. I can't do it. I can't, I can't. 
How can I do it? How can I pick up my cross and follow him daily? How can I? You can't. You can. When you sing, change my heart, oh God. Make it ever true. You can. It's one day at a time. It doesn't work if you make, like, you know, I, when I was coming here, the Lord gave me this. I had made a promise to the Lord when I got saved. It was 20 years ago, exactly 20 years ago, okay? 30, uh, I was 37, I'm 57. Actually 21, it'll be 21. But I'll read this. I made it when I got saved. I was so excited about knowing God and if you make a promise and it's gonna come through and, you know, like typical, like you put your fairy tooth under the pillow and you get five dollars and all this nonsense. No, this was like the God I was, I, I believed I was serving. And so, I made this promise to God. And my, what was my promise? My promise was I was never gonna visit a mall again. What a lie. What a lie. Like, you know, ever again, I was like, yeah, I won't visit a mall. I mean, I can stay away from, I take my children, but I won't shop, I won't buy anything, and da, 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 da. Of course, I broke it in one week. In one week, literally one week. And I'll tell you what God gave me when I was fasting and praying. So it's 20 years ago. Be not rash with thy mouth. That is Ecclesiastes 5, 2, verse 2. Be not rash with thy mouth, and let not thy heart be hasty to utter anything before God. For God is in heaven, and thou upon earth. Therefore, let thy words be few. Be not rash. Let thy words be few. Few. Ecclesiastes 5, 2. You know, it's funny. Everybody knows, of course, not, not a big thing, but I, I, I like company. I like, I'm a social butterfly. My husband is a pastor. He's not, he's not an introvert. I would never say he's an introvert, but he, he likes his privacy. He likes his quiet time. He likes, and then we get married, you know. And he used to always tell me, when he first met me, he used to always say, Sister Elsa, you don't know how to play second fiddle. I was so mad at him. I was so mad. This was in 2008. I'll never forget. We were in Faith City. Before, before Faith City. When we were in, um, what is that? Yeah, Faith City. And, uh, something happened and he, we were at, ah, we were at Joba's house. We were having Bible study there. And when, when we were at Jehovah's house, you know, here am I trying to impress this pastor. So I would, like, you know, pray. I would read. I would sing. I can't sing to save my soul, but I would sing. And I was always like, you know. And one day, very, you know, he's, you know, he's so, so soft-spoken and stuff. He looks at me and he says, Sister sir, you don't know how to play second fiddle. I was like, hmm. Said, pastor, why do you say that? He said, he said, it's my Bible study. You are here. And he said, let me lead the songs. Let me lead the Bible study. I said, oh, okay. So, I, I, I used to keep quiet. I was offended. Of course I was offended. And I said, okay, you know, God's teaching me something from this, from this pastor, you know. This was like years ago, okay. I didn't even know I was going to be my husband one day. But it was like, I was like, okay, something. God's teaching me, slow to speak. Then one time, he was preaching on Proverbs. And I think in Proverbs it talks about multiple of words as their sin. So of course, you know, God is telling me, you talk too much. You talk too much. You talk too much. So, and then a couple of times Pastor Vijay would ask me when they used to run the, uh, he was, then he was not Pastor Vijay, he was, Brother Vijay, he used to ask me to share youth meetings, 
So I used to share. I used to share about my life and what I went through. And of course, people took that and run, ran with it. I was upfront of a lot of stuff that I went through and stuff. And so, okay, that, that got me in trouble. And one day, Pastor, and he used to come to these youth meetings and we were in Abbots and he used to stand behind. And every time I finished a youth meeting, he would critique me. He would come take me to the back and very quietly he would tell me, there was no need to share that much. There was no need to share that much. And I would never understand. Because honestly speaking, I would think that I'm trying to come out open and be transparent and try to help the youth. Because I used to speak at the youth meeting. And then when I went to Rana and Buddha Baptist Church, I think it was, and then a couple of other churches in the evenings, I would share on a Saturday. And then I did a seven-day youth meeting at certain, I don't like to get the names of the churches, but I, I, would, I would do them. And I remember sharing and trying to counsel the girls and whatever. And I would always say, you know, the world in me struggled. You know, it really, I really struggled with the world. And I would say about clothes and I would say about coming to India, how I had to wear the long coat, the long dresses. And I, I don't like the pants. And I would, I would, I would be complaining, you know. And you know what? It was so funny. When I came back home, I would be convicted about the way I spoke about Indians and the way they dressed. I was convicted. The Lord told me you were very rash to speak. Let your words be few. Let your words. And you would always come back to this. You know? Always come back to that, that I spoke too much, that I talked too much. And you would always come back to the fact that watch what you say. Slow to speak, quick to listen. Slow to speak, quick to listen. And the reason I'm saying this today, because these 10 years in India has taught me, speak less. But have I learned? No. Am I struggling? Yes. Am I quick to speak sometimes? Yes. But when God convicts you of what you're doing and what you're speaking and what you're saying, always take heed to your ways that you sin not with your tongue, says the Bible. I don't know where the scripture reference is, but it is there. So, Take heed to your ways. And why am I saying this? Because the world in you is so strong. It will come out in different parts. You will, you'll be surprised at the things you say because you realize out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And you will say things that you, and if you don't take heed to what you're saying and what you're speaking, I'm telling you kids, you will be in trouble one day. You will be in trouble. I'm sorry. I was burnt in India. With my words. I was burned. I was literally hung. Like Pastor Shan says, Elsa, they assassinated you with your words in India. I said, they did. I was burned. But you know what? Every time, Pastor will tell me, have you not learned your lessons? He always asks me, have you not learned what we went through last year? Have you not learned your lesson? And I'll always say, but I thought I'm in it. He says, no, you did not. No, you did not. When, when elders correct you, are you offended? When I come and talk to you, are you offended? When I tell you you can do it, are you offended? I'm telling you, children, I'm telling you, at 57, I'm still learning. And I'm not afraid to tell you I have made many mistakes down the road. Not only in India, in America too. But I've made many mistakes. Keep telling you all, you all know God at a young age. When I got saved, the first thing the Lord told me was, you're going to, you sowed in corruption, you will reap corruption. I didn't, I didn't understand that. 
So when I used to go to pastors in, in America and ask them, and it was never their fault. I'm not blaming nobody because I don't want to talk about any man of God or woman of God. I just want to say that when I went, when I used to go to them and say, like, you know, what does it mean? What does this mean? So in corruption. But that was in the past, right? That was in the past. Now I'm a new creation, right? The old me is dead, right? So I don't have to reap all these consequences, right? And they used to say no. They used to say no. You don't. Because the past is the past. Jesus has taken your sin, your iniquity, your transgression. He took it all. You didn't know God then. So you won't reap it now. So I believe this. I believe this. I believe. So sometimes even doctrine can mess you up. Till you actually go through the crisis yourself and you're seeing it going and you're going through this horrible wilderness journey and you're saying, but he said, no, I didn't. But that's what Pastor kept telling us. Go to the word of God and ask God to speak. You can go to a man of God and ask that man of God. But you know what? Because he'll answer you according to the idol in your heart. He will. He will. I'm, I'm a witness to that. I'm a witness to that. And you have to be so careful. We're in the last days. I'm telling you, children. I, we're in the last days, you know. And I feel bad when I see that you're looking at me and pastor and you're not getting it. You're not getting it. You know, you see. You know? And then, he, then he's telling me, Sister Elsa, we have to reap what we sow. First words to me. And I was like, really? I said, but I was told blah, 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 and that it's all it, the sin is gone, and that I'm forgiven, and my past is gone. He said, yeah, but there are consequences. I said, yeah, but I was told that too. I was told that there's no problem. There's, you don't have to worry. God has taken it. He doesn't punish you for your past. It's gone. He chooses not to remember, blah, blah, blah. So no, Sister Elsa, it doesn't work. That's why you are struggling today with your children. That's when it hit me. That's when actually reality struck. And I was like, oh shoot, really? Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Makes sense, makes sense. Then I started going back to my past. And all my mistakes I made. And all the stuff I did. And then I was like, oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. This makes sense. This makes sense. This makes sense. And then he would take me to the Word. He would do a Bible study with me. He would sit down. He would explain about consequences of our sin. He would explain about how I, what, what I sowed in the, in corruption. I'm reaping in corruption. He would explain it. And then I would say, you know what? This makes sense. Then I said to him, I said, Pastor, I want to hear from God. He says, just, just pray and you will hear. Then I started hearing. Then God would start speaking to me and the convictions would be so strong in me. But you know what? I was hungry. I wanted to hear. I wanted to hear. Do you want to hear from God? Is my question. Do you want to hear? I was hungry by then. By then, I was hungry. I was determined. And I said, Lord, and I, my prayer used to be, Lord, don't let a day go by when you don't speak to me. Please, I cannot do it. I need to hear. Whether you convict me, whether you comfort me, whether you chastise me, I can't afford to let a day go by, Lord, when you don't speak to me. I can't. Because I can't live like this alone in this. In India, I don't know the language. I don't know anybody. I'm one person here without a family. And all these are strangers to me, Lord. Don't do this to me. Speak to me every day. And he would. And he would speak every day. Every day my God spoke to me. Every day. Every day. Whether it was through. And that's why I tell you guys. You know what? When you're down and out, if you don't, if you cannot read the word, I keep telling you all, plug in and listen to a message. It will speak. A message will speak. Even if you listen. I used to listen to Pastor James' Revelation Bible study every night. I'm not telling you you have to listen to that. But I'm just saying. Then I would listen. Pastor Sharon bought me the Bible on, on a CD. 
all night just to play. Ask Andrew and Noel, they got tired of listening to it. I would play it all night. In the middle of the night, the Holy Spirit would wake me up and I would get a verse of scripture. Come to me, all ye that labor and heavy laden. I still remember. In the middle of the night, I would get up again at four o'clock in the morning and I, and I would, I would hear like, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. I was like, Lord, what did I do today? Then I would go back, what did I mean? Repent? Like, what did I do? What did I do? Did I do something wrong? What did I say? What did I... So in the middle of the night, the scripture would speak to me or the word would speak to me or something would speak to me. I never ever let a day go by, I can honestly tell you, my 10 years in India, where I've never read the word. Never. I can sit here and tell you, with a straight look, my, I never got, there's never been a day where I never read my word. I carry, pastor gets mad, I, when we're married now, I carry all my Bibles, all my readings, everything. That itself weighs 10 kilos, but I don't care. It goes with me everywhere I go, because I need to hear from God. And why I say this? Because the world in us is so strong. Sanctify them by the truth. Thy word is truth. The truth will set you free. Sanctify them. You cannot afford in your age right now, in this wicked, wicked, perverse world, which is worse than what it was, to let a day go by without praying, without reading the word, without asking God to speak. You cannot. You cannot afford it. You cannot afford it. You will fall if you don't. I'm telling you today. You will fall. You will fall. You will fall into this wicked world. You will fall. You will stray away. You will go to the other side. Or, because the enemy, the devil is a roaring lion waiting to devour you all. Waiting, waiting, waiting for you all. And you all are easy prey to him because none of you read your word. Some of you do. I'm not going to say none of you. Some of you do. But some of you like don't care. I tell you at night, even if you have to say, Lord, touch me today. Speak to me today, Lord. Speak to me. I need to hear from you. I need to hear from you. I need a word from you. Speak to me. Lord, forgive me. I messed up today in school. I messed up. Everywhere I went, I messed up today. I messed up in college. I messed up at work. I messed up. Lord, speak now, please, Lord. Cleanse your hands. Cleanse your hands. Cleanse your heart. Cleanse your mind. If you go, you know, some of you have whatever you all go on the net or whatever you all do. I don't know. You know what I said to the Lord this year? Honestly speaking, Grace Home, and I'm still here, but I'm going to tell you all. I said, Lord, for the ones who want to stay with us this year, let them stay. For the ones who don't want to stay, Lord, weed them out. Like you separated the church last year, this year, weed them out. Weed them out, Lord. Separate the chaff and the wheat. Separate them. There's no emotions anymore. There's no emotions. It's tent here. It's here for change. It's here for the ones who really want to. Really, really want to be in a Christian home. Really want to grow. Really want to study. Are really interested in changing. Otherwise, why? Why? Why waste resources? Why waste anything? And would I be mad? No. Not at all. Would I be hurt? Yes. Would be, of course, because I've known you all for years. Of course. I love you guys. I mean, I do. But would it, would it help you and benefit you to hold on to something that's not from God? No. I've learned that lesson a long time ago. Let go. And let God be God. A long time ago I learned that. It's painful. Is it painful? Of course it's painful. So when I see your disrespect, I look at you and I say, you know what, if you were my kid, boy, would I smack you upside your head. I would have smacked you. I remember when Omar came here and he was 14 and he said something to me and I held him by the neck and I held him against the wall. He was shocked. He said, you don't talk to me like that. You don't talk to me like that. I was never allowed to back, talk to my back to my mother till I was, I was married and I said something, I said damn one day and she slapped me in front of my husband. 
She did. She slapped me and said, you don't ever talk to me like that. I will never tolerate disrespect. And I tell you today, I won't. I won't. I won't. Omar does. Omar Aisha does. But I won't correct them in front of you all when they do it. I get them home and I get them. And I get them good. And I get an apology right away. I get them. I always tell them, be careful. Be careful when you're disrespectful. It'll come back. It'll hit you. It'll hit you when you're disrespecting elders. It'll, it'll, it'll bite you hard when you get married and you have children. And your own kids disrespect you. It'll hurt you like crazy. Like never before. You'll get a double, double portion of that. Because you know. You know. You're being taught every day. Respect your elders. Don't be disrespectful. Be grateful. Thank God. Thank God. It'll come back. It'll come back. Be careful. I keep telling you. And the reason I'm saying this is not because I want you to understand that this, this, this year, this 10 years in June, it's been an experience. It's been a learning experience. It's been a painful experience. It's been a blessing. It's been everything. It's been everything. Everything. Painful. Very, very painful. He crushed my heart. Extremely painful. But you know what? Through it all, every testing, every testing was worth it. Was worth it. It was worth it. I can say God was real. I can actually stand here and say God is real. He is real. He is. He is who he is. He is the great I am. He is Emmanuel. He is sovereign. He is your all in all. He is your healer. He is your deliverer. I can stand here today and testify and say he is. He is God. And there's none like him. He is the same God that parted the Red Sea. He is the same God that raised Lazarus from the dead. He is the same God that healed the blind. He is the same God. He is the same God that healed the Samaritan woman. He is the same God that said, Woman, thou art loose. He is the same God. He looses us from bondage. He is, he is. I can actually stand here and say, you know, through it all, through it all. And I thank God for Pastor James in my life because I thank you. I thank God for everyone that went against, for our enemies, for the slanderers, for the backstabbers, for the snakes in our lives. I thank God. I can actually stand here and tell you 10 years. I thank God. And tomorrow if he decides to take me home, I can actually stand here and say, Lord, you know what? You were, you were just when you judged. You were just. You were just. You didn't kill me. You could have killed me. Did I live in sin? Yes, I did. Did I do wrong before I, yes, I did. Yes, I did. When I got saved, was I perfect? No way, not even today. Not even today. I'm still imperfect. I still struggle with lots of things. I know it. I know it. I know. But I'm telling you, it's, it's something that you really, really have to take a look at your heart, take a look and judge, judge your heart, test your mind and ask yourselves, where are you going with this? Ask yourself, where am I going in 2017 with my life? Where am I going? Where am I going to wind up? There's a famine coming. Or it's not come already, I don't know. I'm not doctrinally sound to say all this. I'm not a prophetess. I don't, I don't know all these things. But I'm saying, there is, there is. We're gonna get hit hard. Are you ready? Are you ready? Is God preparing your hands for war? Is God preparing your hand, your feet to run as swift as a deer? Is God preparing you? Where are you going with this? Where? Let's, let's continue. Disciples today have the same criteria, the same privilege. We need to function as one in a system and purpose. We need to be set apart and get in and out on what he started 2,000 years ago. 
Can you imagine any greater privilege than being linked in purpose with the God of the universe? You live in order that what? We live for what? In order that what? Fill in the blank. If you define your purpose in living, you can pretty well tell whether your purpose is the same as others. Is your goal to take the message of eternal life from the Father through the Son to you to the world? Does that drive you? Is that your greatest passion? Is that why you get up in the morning? Or is your greatest passion to own a house, a car, a boat, or have a, or a CEO as, a, as your job description? The world operates like this. Every man for himself, get all you can. Not only is our purpose to be opposite from the world's purpose, but our perspective is to be different from the world's. John seems to refer to this order and system in relationship to thinking, ideas, and motivation. He wrote later, Do not love the world or the things of the world. in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but it is of the world. And the world is passing by. 1 John 1, 2, 15-17 Worldliness is a permeating perspective. So what exactly is the world's perspective? Me, myself, and I. That is, what makes me happy and what makes my family comfortable? If our purpose is to be a vital link in the eternal purpose of giving the word of the Father to the world, how should our perspective be different from the world's? If it's not me, myself, and I, what is it? If our perspective is centered on, on today, it is exactly like the world's. We need to sing more often, this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. We act a lot like settlers instead of sojourners and pilgrims. As Peter talked about, 1 Peter 2.11, it was the same Peter who earlier asked Jesus, See, we have left all and followed you. Therefore, what shall we have? Matthew 19.27 We can't be too hard on Peter as if the question has never occurred to us. Peter was talking about the here and now. Jesus responded with a then and there answer. When the Son of Man sits on the throne of his glory, Matthew 19, 28. This present world isn't all there is. We've heard the expression, they live like there's no tomorrow. How descriptive of the world's perspective. But is it descriptive of ours as well? Moses' perspective is a profound example of otherworldly thinking. The writer of Hebrews tells us about Moses' life, but one very sums it all up. Esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than he, the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. Hebrews 11.26 He knew a better day was coming. He knew this world wasn't that the stopping point. Moses considered, counted the cost, and it was a pretty hefty price for him. And contemplated eternity. Eternity won out over Egypt. If eternity doesn't permeate our here and now, we are living exactly like the world. Our perspective is wrong. But we live with eternity's values in view. Our perspective is Christ-like. Not only are our purpose and perspective to be unlike the world's, but our priorities are to be different as well. When considering our priorities, let's look at Luke 12, 34. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. When Jesus spoke of our treasure, he went right to the heart of the matter, right to the core of our priorities. Check your heart today, guys. Check your heart. Where is your heart today? Where is your heart? Ask yourself, where is your heart? What gives you pleasure? What 
makes you happy, as the world says. Happy, happy, happy. Does the word of God depress you? Does the word depress you? Or does it give you joy? Does it give you peace? Does the word of God convict you? Or do you get mad when you read? Is the word of God boring when you read it? Same thing over and over and over and over again in the wilderness. I hear the same thing on Sunday from Pastor. I hear the same thing on Wednesday from Pastor Vijay. I come here and, and I hear from Auntie Elsa, blah, blah, blah. Is, is it boring you? Is it annoying? Is it helping you? Is it convicting you? Is there kuncham, kuncham conviction in your heart today? Kuncham? A little bit? Is there kuncham faith in your heart today? Just a little bit? Just a little bit? To say, Lord, this mountain shall be moved by my spirit, says the Lord. Is there something that is being... You know, also I would say this. If you have been hurt in the past, if you've been abused, if you've been bullied, it'll come down. You'll be that bully. You'll be that person who wants to hurt because he hurt me. My older brother hurt me, so I'm going to hurt my younger brother. Oh, I don't have a brother to hurt, so I'll hurt one of the forms, one of the kids in Grace Shelter. Oh, I'll pick on Charan. Or I'll pick on Siri. Or I'll pick on Mary. Or I'll pick on Anu. Or I'll pick on Raksha. Or I'll pick on somebody. Because you know what? They irritate me. Kids irritate me. I have no patience. I don't like kids. Why should I go to LHL and help? Why should I do that on Sunday? I have school Monday through Saturday. Why should I go? Why am I always asked to clean? Why, why do I have to do that? Why? Why is it always me? Why are you always calling me when there are 14 other kids? Why am I being called? Why is Elsa always calling me? You know, I'm going to say this. If you don't have a servant's heart, and if you don't like serving, and you have to serve in the quietness where nobody gives you a pat on your back, you have to serve when nobody's looking. You have to do right when Mary and Thelma and Sammy and Peter and everybody else is not around. You have to serve. You have to serve. You have to have a servant's heart. I remember this little kid, Johan, when he used to, when he used to be with me. He was seven or eight when I met him. Today he's in college. And he was living with me, him and his mom. We were living in this penthouse in Bigham Pit, whatever, whatever. And I saw Mr. Land, you're spoiling this kid. You're spoiling this kid. And he used to get mad at me. You know, he used to get upset. But I would also spoil him in, in, in my ways of being kind to him. But the thing is that I remember him. And I'll say one thing. He was bullied a lot. He had a raw deal in life. But will this kid, because he had a raw, and I can talk about him because I know. I know Johan for 10 years. But will this kid go out and be mean to Madhulika and Anu and, uh, and Charan? Because you know what? He had a raw deal. Is, does he have that right to do that? Because he had a raw deal in life and his father died when, when he was young and he never knew his father and blah, blah, blah. And he can make all kinds of excuses. So is Johan allowed to go to LHL and just, just do stuff to, to, no, it's not. It's not. Examine your heart and ask yourselves why you'll do it. I'm telling you, ask yourselves. Ask yourselves. You know, when you talk about low self-esteem, I had the lowest self-esteem when I was growing up. I was the best athlete. 
but I had curly hair. So they used to call me Goldilocks. And I hated the name. I hated it. You know, I had, I, I couldn't stand the name Goldilocks. I used to get so upset. I used to, get, I used to stand on the, I would get all, I would whack all the prize. Every year, I was one of the best athletes. Every year, I whacked the prize in school. Every year, every year. I was first. Every year. And when I would go up on the stand, you know how you have the one, two, and three, you know? And I'd get my medal. And they would say, Elsa, Goldilocks. And I would start crying. And I would jump down and run to my mother. And I would say, why do they do that? Please tell them to stop it. Then when I got older, I, I, you know, I mean, I had issues about curly hair. I had issues about my freckles. Because if some people say freckles. Or she's freckle face. So I should get irritated. So I tried everything to take my freckles off. I tried to straighten my hair. I lost all my hair because of it. But you understand where I'm coming from? You do stuff like that. Because when you talk about low self-esteem, I had it. I had it. I'm telling you kids, I had it. And when you talk about false pride, I had it. Elsa had it. She had it. And and that stuff that we go through, if you're not honest about what you're going through in your inner man, and you're not honest about what you're really struggling with, you will never come clean. You will never come through. You will never. You will struggle and you will be in bondage all your life. I'm telling you. If you don't come clean about what you're really struggling with, if you don't come clean what, what, what your issues are, and you know what, what worked with me, and I don't know what worked with you, but what works with me was therapy. Like I would, I would like write. I would write, and I would write, and I would write. I love writing. Now I hate it. But I would write and write and write. And I would write journals and journals about my pain and my hurt. It was therapeutic for me. And one day, I just burned it all up. Why? Because I was afraid people would go and see and read. And I was afraid my... You know, my children would get a hold of it and whatever, whatever. And one day, Aisha told me, I read a letter of yours. And I said, you did? So my grandma sounds so much like me. I said, oh my God, which letter? I forgot about it. But she found one letter at home in New York. And she read it. And she said, I remember you said blah, 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 blah. I said, really? Yeah, I did say that. Well, oh, it was there. You know, my dad got it. And so he showed it to me. And blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, okay, okay, okay. So and he said, my grandma sounds so much like what I'm going through right now. You have to have to deal with the issues you're struggling with in your life. You must. Whether it be lust of the eyes, whether it be wanting a boyfriend. I'm going to tell the girls, I'm going to talk to you openly. Something about when you're getting older. Stand up, Johan, because you're like my child, so I can do this. When you're getting older and Johan comes and just brushes you like that, you will love it. You know why? Because it's a man, it's a, it's a male touch. You will love it. And you will get a kick out of it. Sit down. You'll get a kick out of it. And the same with the boys. When you're getting older, well, no matter how old the man or the, how old the woman is, if a woman comes and you're going through something and the woman just comes and touches you like this, you will like that feel. You will like that touch. Because that's in your heart, the lust in your heart. I'm being honest. I'm being real. I'm being real. You will like it. I'm being absolutely real with you today. You will like it. If you, if you are dressed very well and Aditya comes to Sarah and says, you got a beautiful dress. You will love it. You will think about it the whole day. You'll go to sleep falling in love with what he said. I'm being real. I'm being real. It is true. Deal with that. Deal with that. Because you know what? Flattery is dangerous. It will cause you to fall. Proverbs talks about flattery. 
is dangerous. It will cause, cause you to fall. It will cause you to sin. It will cause you to be hurt. And it will cause either a woman or a man to hurt you. It's dangerous. Watch out for that. Watch out for flattery. I'm telling you all this because I know how in college I would wait for somebody to tell me I had nice legs. I would think, oh, your legs are very athletic. I would very proud say, oh, yeah, I know. I, I know I got lovely legs. I, I, I mean, like, you know, very proud. You know, very proud of myself. And when I came to India, I always wanted to wear shorts because I thought it was like the cool thing to wear, to, to show off my legs. Until I got convicted. Until my husband asked me, why do, why do you, why do you wear that? Why do you wear stuff that shows anything? Why? Why? Ask yourself why. Why? Why? Why are you looking for flattery? Why are you looking for somebody to fill that void in your life? Why can't Jesus fill that void? Why? Why can't Jesus fill the void? Because you're not here. To attract the opposite sex, you're here to serve God. You're not here. Why? Why are you looking for flattery? Why are you looking to dress sluttish? Why? Why? Why are you looking to dress like that when you are? I beseech you, therefore, brethren, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto thee. And I'm being honest. I did. I did wear tight jeans. I'm not saying I did not. I did wear tight t-shirts. I'm not saying I never did any of that. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying, don't do it. Because it wasn't right. And if I tell you it's okay, God understands, I'm a liar. I'm going to be held accountable for all of you to teach you that I'm teaching you the wrong thing. I'll be held accountable because you are under my authority. So I have to teach you that it's wrong. I have to teach you don't wear tight t-shirts. I have to teach you don't wear shirts that cover just just your little, what what is called this, uh, your waistline. Why would you, why would you want to, why would you do that? Why? Why? Cover. Cover, cover yourself. Cover yourself. It took me three years in India to cover my head till the Holy Spirit convicted me. Three years. Because I never want to cover my hair. Because I like, everybody say, oh, you got such pretty hair. So I like to show my hair. I'm being honest. So I never want to cover my hair. When I, when Pastor James used to call me up to pray, I would pray and he would, and he said, he used to pray, Lord, one day convict her that she will cover her head when I call her to pray next time. But it took me years to cover it. So one day I was praying, fasting and praying on a Saturday and the Lord said, you're missing out on half my anointing and you cannot hear from me because your head is not covered. And he took me to Corinthians and I read the words and I cried and I cried and I cried, repented and I covered my head. Does it take, when I go, when we go, when we travel, a lot of people don't cover their head. And they all look at me like, my God, she's going to be holy, holy. I'm not. It's my conviction. It's not yours. My conviction cannot be your conviction. But I can pray that it will be your conviction. I can pray that your minds will be changed. I can pray that God will hear my cry. Because I want something better for you guys. I can pray that. I can just pray. I can say, Lord, touch them today. Touch them that they will hear. I can pray that. It's, it's, it's dangerous what we... Do to ourselves, I'm telling you, you will sow when you sow corrupt, you know. I mean, even, even Neville said to me, he said, there's such a drastic change when you came to India. Did India change you? Did Papu change you? Or who changed you? I said, no, that was the conviction that I chose to change, for, to do right by God's eyes. It was my conviction. Umar says, wow, you dress like an old lady. I said, I am an old lady. He said, no, you're not. I said, yeah, I am. So you dress like an old lady. You're, you're, you, you, you're 
Sometimes, man, you dress in such an old... Don't even come to the mall with us. I said, fine, go along. Go along. I'm okay. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with going to the mall without you. I'm okay. If, it, if, I, if my dressing is embarrassing you, thank God I cover. Thank God I cover. Thank God I don't flaunt. Thank God. Thank God I don't flaunt. And what am I flaunting for? It is God-given. It is for my husband. It is not for another man. Not for another man to fall because of me and my stupidity. It's not. It's not. It's not. It's for my husband and vice versa. It's for your wife. It's for your wife. It's not. You have to be careful of worldliness. You have to be careful of worldliness. I'm taking too much time. Let's let's finish this. Where were we? What can we tell about our priorities? I lost. Read it, no? One of you. What can we tell about our priorities when looking at our mm. checkbook? Mm-hmm. Where do we spend our time and resources? In one sense, this is an easier test than the, than the rest because it's more black and white. We can get a bit of target trying to figure out our purpose, uh, uh, figure our purpose and perspective. But the checkbook ledger is concrete. Jesus was saying that how you spend your money is a primary indicator of where your heart is. Mm. We have in common, we have in common with the world the need for food, clothing, and shelter. The world spends most waking hours figuring out how to have the best food, the best clothing, and the best, best shelter. That's that's high on the priority list. Christians also need to have food, clothing, and shelter, clothes and shelter. In the Sermon of the Mount, on the Mount, when Jesus was discussing the three categories, he said, "For all these things, the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things." But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Matthew 6, 32, 33. If we take care of his priority, reaching the world, he takes care of our needs. We seek to tell about his kingdom, and he makes sure we have the things we need to do. We understand our possessions are only tools to reach the lost. But we have somewhere learned that if we polish and hold our things, we are wonderful stewards of what God has given us. He says, no, that's not even close. Use them to reach the lost. Everything we have belongs to the one who gave it to us in the first place. And we are managers of his things. You are right. The world would think we are ludicrous in this. But that's okay. We aren't, we, we aren't out to win any popularity contests. We are out to win people. Positions are not just tools. They are really hmm. are, are a test. When we buy something, we don't really, uh, we don't hear a voice out of, out of heaven saying, that is a test. This is only a test in the event of a real. But the way we use our money and our things is really the test of where the heart is and who is Lord in our lives. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. For where your treasure is, there your heart also will be. We need to change our thinking and ask, how much can I get into the kingdom? Ask God to help you to make, uh, help you make this a hard process. Ask Him uh, how you can turn the temporal into the eternal. And remember, good stewardship is using things to reach others until you can't use them anymore. Holding is not a spiritual principle. Scriptural. Even if it, a scriptural principle. Even if it has <laughs> other leather seats. Possessions are also a tra- trademark of the ultimate lordship of Jesus Christ in our lives. To think otherwise is worldly. We have looked at our Purpose in, uh, in the, we have looked at, a, at how our purpose is different from that of the world, 
how a perspective is, is different from that of the world, and how a priority is different from that of the world. Up to this point, we have looked at the internal focus of our lives. Let's look for a while at the external. Every, almost everyone is familiar with Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Paul urges us to present our bodies to God because of that's the reasonable act of service. In verse 2, he tells us not to be conformed to this world. Basically, Paul is writing for us to change our way of thinking. In the same verse, when he tells us to do what the will of God is, the word who means to discern, sort out, and read through external issues. He wants us to saturate our minds with truth. The world is a, does a marvelous job saturating us with error. All we have to do is watch television commercials to see that. Reading the newspaper or watching the news will surely convince us that we need to renew our minds to the truth and to discern all day long. Since the antidote of worldliness is a renewed mind, let's look at some specific truths from, the, from God's word that fly in the face of the world's philosophy. First, for as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. God's truth. The world does not revolve around us. You can exercise your spiritual gift because others others exercise theirs. It's body life. The world's life. You're number one, and if you don't look out for number one, no one else will. Hmm. Second, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. God's truth. You back off from trying to repay those who have offended you and leave it to God. I agree, it's harder than, than it sounds. The world's life. You get me, I'll get you back. Third, oh, no one anything except to love one another. Romans chapter 13 verse 8. God's truth, you need to love and dote on others uh, and dote on others just as you do yourself. The world's life. Love is totally conditional on the other on the other person and how uh, you happen to feel at the time. Fourth, receive one who will who's weak in faith, but not to uh, dispute over doubtful things. Uh, Romans chapter 14 verse 1. Also note verses throughout the rest of the chapter. God's truth. Learn to accept someone with different opinions without passing judgment. The world's life. There is one view of the situation and it's fine. Don't bother me with the facts. I have a perfect right to my opinion, so don't mess me with me. Uh, uh, don't mess with me for audit. We are indeed free in Christ, but if we retain this freedom and our rights to do anything we want, not caring whether or not it hinders others' growth, we are worldly. The world holds tightly to rights, and if we, under the spiritual guise of freedom, grip ours, grip ours as tightly, we are pressed into the world's way of thinking and acting. Fifth, when we are strong, uh, when uh, we then who are strong ought to bear the scruples of the weak and not to please ourselves. God's truth. Get involved. There are hundreds of places where we could get involved and not to please ourselves. The emphasis in the following verses is encouragement to the weak, that is those who are without emotional strength. That takes effort, that takes time, and that takes selflessness. The world's life. Don't get involved. Life goes so fast. You have a job to work, bills to be paid, places to go, things to do, children to raise. Why let someone emotionally weak, uh, emotionally weak, sap your precious strength? It doesn't make sense. I mean, after all, what's the payoff for you? Sixth, therefore, accept one another, just as Christ also has accepted us. God's truth. Remember how Christ accepted you? Jesus Christ stepped out of the ultimate comfort zone, heaven, to mingle with you. Can you do any less with others who are so different from you? The world's life. Hang around with those who are like you. You'll be more comfortable. You'll be more comfortable. They'll be more comfortable. You'll mesh. Each one of those truths deals with externals. How you view yourselves, revenge, government, love, differing opinions, emotional, emotionally weak people, and, acceptable, uh, and acceptance of others who are different from you. 
But God's truth is so diametrically opposed to the world's way of thinking. Is it any wonder we are to be transformed in the way we think? The yes. Lord Jesus Christ is still praying for us. He wants us to be in the world, but not of it. Hallelujah. 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 I think I said enough, so let's just pray. Let's go to God. Let's go to God. Let's cast our cares. Let's ask him for a touch today. Change won't come about in a day, but one day at a time. Father, today we surrender our hearts, the world in us, my God. Our weaknesses. Every one of us has some weakness. Every one of us today are struggling with something, my God. I pray today, Father, that you touch every sister, every brother here, my God. I pray, Father, that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. I pray every one of us has something to give to the kingdom. Every one of us. We have something to give, my God. Something to give to the kingdom. Help us to be cheerful givers when we give, my God. We thank you that your son, Jesus, he gave his life for us, my God. And we're redeemed from the curse, my God. I pray today, Father, you touch us. I pray, Lord, as I spoke to the children today, to your kids, your children. I pray, Lord, one day it will bear fruit, my God. One day. One day, my God. Pray, Lord, the seed was planted. Paulus will water. God will help the increase, my God. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. Be not conformed to these patterns of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds daily. Teach us to renew our minds. Teach us to be slow to speak, quick to listen. Teach us to get rid of that anger within us, the unforgiveness within us, the frustration, the anxiety within us. Teach us, Lord. Deliver us from all evil, my God. Give us this day our daily bread as we forgive those who trespass against us. Father, 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 forgive us. Forgive us our sins. Forgive us today, Father. Forgive us of our sins as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. My God, my God, help us to get rid of bitterness, envy, jealousy, unforgiveness. Day in and day out, my God, our children face peer pressures at school. Day in and day out, they face it at college. Day in and day out, my God, at workplaces. But my God, I pray that they will always lean on you for help. They will always go to you, my God. I pray they will always ask and they will receive. Seek and they will find. Knock and they shall be, and it shall be opened. My God, you said when you pray, believe and you will receive. I pray that these children have faith as tiny as a mustard seed. 
speak to this mountain and ask it to be moved today in Jesus' name. Pray that you move the mountain of unbelief and doubt that God can do this. Yes, he can. Yes, he can. God can. Our God can. Our God can. Our God is able to do all things. Our God is able. He is the God of the impossible. I pray today, my God, that faith will arise, my God, in these children today. Let God arise and our enemies be scattered today, my God. Help us to deal with our own issues day in and day out. Help us, my God, to leave it at your feet, to cast all our cares for you, care it for us. Help us, my God, the Rima word, the living word. Help us to remember that it's the living word. It gives life for the ones, Lord, who are going through a dry season today. Lord, like you did in the dry bone valley, breathe on those dry bones today, my God. Breathe on them today, Father. Breathe on those sinews today, my God. Breathe, breathe, breathe on them, my God. And let them come out, my God. Oh, Jesus, from dirt to flowers. Father, from a cocoon to a butterfly. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Teach them, my God, what it is to wait on you. Teach them, teach them to wait on you. I pray my prayer for them that they will hear every day from you. I pray that even when they pray and they ask, they will believe that God is going to answer, that he will answer, that they will cleanse their hearts, they will cleanse their minds and go to you with a clean heart. With clean hands, pure heart. Cleansed by the blood. And when they ask, they will believe that you will answer, my God. We thank you for the cross. We thank you. We thank you for the cross. That we can go back to the cross. I pray they will forsake sin, my God. I pray, Father, O Lord, that in our weakness your strength is made perfect. I pray where sin abounds, grace abounds, my God. We will be overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, my God. We thank you today. Touch, touch, touch us. Touch the married ones today. Touch them. Let us, Lord, walk as examples. Let us walk as examples, my God, <coughs> to the younger generation. I pray, Lord, that you will raise an army in church, my God. Raise an army. Prepare us, Father. For the bridegroom, prepare us, prepare us, my God. We're imperfect, but we serve a perfect God. A rich a God is rich in mercy, full of love, unconditional love. That when we go to Him, let Him let us always believe that we're speaking to our Father in heaven, who loves us unconditionally. Father, we thank you today for your love, for your mercy, for your grace, for your anointing. Let the anointing today destroy yokes, pull down strongholds, break bondages. Let the anointing, my God, today touch the minds. Break the rebellion today, my God. Break the spirit of witchcraft today in the name of Jesus. Break the spirit of occult today, my God. Break every soulish prayer today in the name of Jesus, my God. Break it today, my God. We give you the young boy who's four years old, my God, who's in the hospital. I speak healing into his body today in the name of Jesus, my God. I speak healing, my God. One touch, my God. You touch that stomach area and heal the child today, my God. 
and let him be a testimony for the world, my God. You use him, my God, to testify, my God. We thank you. We thank you. We're called to be living witnesses. I pray we will be that witness. I pray, Father, get rid of pretense. Get rid of hypocrisy. Get rid of the fact that it's all okay when it's not okay, my God. Teach us, my God. Teach us to walk in your ways. Let no iniquity have any dominion over us. <coughs> Help us to walk in your ways. We love you, my God. We love you. Help us to have a closer and a deeper walk with you. Help us to be have that intimacy with God first, my God. The intimacy with you, my God. To be passionately in love with you first, my God. And then seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and everything else shall be added unto thee. We thank you for our pastors. We thank you, Lord, the elders of the church. We thank you, Father, for this meeting. We thank you. We love you, my God. We praise you. We worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.